Hello, I'm Alex Zirkus, and welcome to the second episode of Capture, the show where I talk with artists of all kinds to discuss their craft and how it affects their daily life. Today, I talk with Mark Boone, a documentary and commercial filmmaker who has worked with brands such as Mercedes-Benz, Nike, and BMW. Hi. Hey. Um, I'm calling for the podcast. Yes. Okay. I just wanted to say thank you for coming on the show. No worries, man. Uh, I love your videos too. So great Great. stuff. Yeah. No. Happy. Happy to do this. Yeah. So you want to get started or? Uh. Yeah. No. Uh. We can. We can definitely jump into things. So, for listeners out there that don't know what kind of art you produce, how would you describe it? Um, well, first and foremost, I'm a filmmaker, so I uh, like making films. Uh, my my main uh, craft has been documentary and commercial over the past few years. Uh, the the niche I've really found myself in is short documentary, but pieces like uh, No Country is an Island are more long form and. Um, more working towards a feature-length doc and TV series. How did you break into the filmmaking world, and how did that begin? Um, I, I never thought I was going to go into filmmaking, actually. I, I remember hearing a statistic when I was growing up in high school, and I don't know how relevant it is today. This is back when people mostly watched mm-hmm. TV, but the statistic was that we spent 10 years of our lives uh, in front of televisions on the couch. And I remember hearing that thinking, that's ridiculous. That's what a waste of life. <laughs> I can't believe we, we spend all that time. I was like, I never want to be a part of that industry. I, I was actually quite, uh, I don't know if disgusted is probably like the, an extreme term, but I, I just thought that filmmaking in the film industry was quite frivolous. And uh, it wasn't until I went away um, of all places but uh, Egypt and Sudan during uh, the Darfur war and was working with refugees there that um, you know I was working with doctors I had no medical training so my job was to just sit with the refugees and listen to their stories because it just helped them talk about what they just went through while they were waiting for to get medical attention and so I quickly uh, discovered that like there's so many uh, unique stories out there and there's so many people who've gone through crazy journeys in their lives and I wanted a way to be able to tell those, and um, much to my chagrin, I realized that probably documentary filmmaking was the best way to do that. So I wrestled with this idea of going into filmmaking, and slowly uh, began realizing I actually quite loved the craft, and that there there is there is there is redemption in filmmaking. And um, you know, I think when I was younger, I was probably more pessimistic, and I think entertainment's an important part of life. Uh, I don't think it's the most important thing in life. Um, 
like like the film industry might make you feel like it is but uh that's how i kind of got into filmmaking i wanted to tell people's stories who didn't have the chance to tell them kind of it's a cliche phrase but a voice for the voiceless and um and so my career is kind of just on out of that that was the the ethos in the beginning uh and from there no, I've, I've probably my, my sharp edges have been been softened and I've you know done a bit of commercial work and, and all sorts of stuff and, uh, yeah I just I love filmmaking I, there's there's no thrill like it in life when you've you've imagined something in your mind you've gone and captured it then you're in the edit suite and you put the music and the color and everything together and you're seeing it come together it's that that thrill I can't describe it there's 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 simply nothing like it it's an interesting story I've never heard anyone have such an emotional story as far as a connection to it we've all heard the cliche i did skateboarding videos with my <laughs> friends yeah but hey hey i did do that i was a big skateboarder growing <laughs> up so i i certainly I, I can't say i ever completed any skateboard videos i was i, I was notoriously bad at starting stuff and never completing it so i got like a little uh like digital camera that shot like that looked like a video camera but it just shot like crappy like less than standard def it was like 144p uh like video that was super compressed and i got that on like ebay back in the day when it was like it was a huge risk putting your credit card on the internet and uh i got this thing that came in the mail like three months later like all packaged up from like hong kong and uh i shot some skate videos on that and they were terrible and like i I think i cut some really good openers and just never finished them but yeah so i mean i definitely was familiar with with the art form but i think i i went away out of school thinking i was going to go become like like a a missionary or a humanitarian and Mm -hmm. and never never and never ever dreamed myself being a film director that definitely shows through your work. I have noticed the very emotional subjects, especially in like Rescate and those types of films, very, they connect with people on a higher level than other films. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. That's, that's, that's the, um, my, my hope is to create art form that, that does have a lasting impact. So uh, I appreciate those, those insights. So to talk about commercials, um, doing commercials for large companies like Mercedes-Benz, Nike, and BMW, how do you keep a consistent style while still representing the brand the way that they would like to be represented? Uh, that's a great question. That that is like the 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 off, often the tension uh, as a film uh, as as a commercial director. Um, I think uh, the thing you have to remember is you you are being paid by a client and they they have needs that need to be met. But ultimately, the reason why they hired you is because they liked your work. So um, I think the way that I can meet that is the secret for me um, is is leaving myself enough time at the end of the commercial to shoot the way I want to. So, <laughs> excuse me, it's allergy season here. Yeah. Um, uh, no, no, so, you know, I'll shoot what, what we need based on the strip that I've presented. And what I try to do is right off the top when I give them my director's treatment, which is like the booklet that shows you all the, that shows the client the style references and how you want to create the film. Mm-hmm. I make sure right off the top that I'm very clear about how I'm going to do this. And even the way I pitch, uh, I, I will talk about very distinct or, 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 um, or like what I feel is like uh, cutting edge styles of shooting. I'll talk about that off the front so that if the client doesn't want that, they won't hire me because I, I really don't want to be hired for something that I don't get to express my my own artistic integrity, my my own my own vision to a certain extent. So 
that's where uh, right off the top, you know, you really just are explicit with how it's going to look. Uh, but then the key is, you know, ultimately what always happens on set is everyone wants that, but they get there and they have their list of needs. We need to get the shot. Uh, we need these, the car rims, so there's a new spoiler, blah, blah, blah. You shoot all that for the car company. And so I always make sure that with my assistant director, I, we're leaving at least, at least an hour at the end of the day where we just get free reign and we get to do all the cool stuff we want. And ultimately, a lot of that footage is what makes it into the film. So um, I think that's kind of how I, I've navigated it, where, you know, you have to dot your T's. You, dot, you don't dot your T's. You, you dot your I's and you cross your T's. You have to do that for, for the client. And and I and I totally respect that and totally get that, that they have a set of needs. But you want for their needs, which they don't understand, they don't always know is that if they let kind of open up your creative wings a bit at the end of the day, you're going to get some really amazing stuff that, that often makes it into the cut. Right. That yeah. wouldn't come out of it if it was just what they were thinking of. Yeah. It's not, it's not that clients are, don't have good taste or, or whatever, but there's there, you have to understand these are huge, huge companies. And when you get to the commercial, there's often a huge list of demands from 25 different departments and all the marketing and the, and the CEO and, and then uh, you know their social team, like everyone has, everyone's trying to get their 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 needs fulfilled in the commercial often. So I understand the pressure that's on these clients, and I would never want to be in their position. So when uh, when it comes to the commercial, you, you still though as a director, you've been hired for a reason. You, they and and you have a style that you need to make sure comes through because it will benefit the project if if it has a bit of your fingerprint on it. So what was it like doing your recent commercial with BMW and how did you get that opportunity? Um, that was a random one I got reached out to uh, by their social team on on, uh, on Instagram actually and they said like they had seen some of my uh, motorcycle scenes from Riscate and they were like, hey, would, would you be interested in collaborating on, on us on some content? So um, that's how it came about. So then I just... Uh, Again, I created a, a director's treatment, which is like that pitch deck, like the, the booklet that you put together, and I did a presentation with them, and they liked the ideas I brought forth. So that's how it kind of came to be. Um, just, a, you know, it's a new day and age. Directors, it used to be really traditional. Like, you, you know, like I still have an agent as a director, but it used to always come through that. You know, you get a you get a phone call and saying, hey, what, what's your schedule? BMW is interested in doing peace, and then you have to go through a whole pitch process, and you're up against like five other directors, and yada 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 and that still happens mm -hmm. that's still the process but in this case it was like they they just directly went to me and it wasn't bmw it was uh it was an agency so the, all these big companies always have creative agencies that they hire to do their creative work for them um and so this this wasn't actually bmw although i got to directly work with bmw and uh it was pretty awesome i got to go to their the headquarters here in canada and then you know they, they gave me a car for for like a month just to you know i i made sure that i had the car as long as i could because I, I wanted to understand the car <laughs> you know like if i'm gonna be shooting commercial i want to know this car i want to get a feel for it so uh they were really kind and they they let me uh two different uh five series which was which was uh, really nice to have uh going to and from meetings in the city so with every person on the show, we do a 60-second uh, rapid-fire questionnaire. Cool. Uh, these are questions that are quick and are like this or that kind of questions. Um, the idea is that they're more accurate and you don't have as much time to think about your answer. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so when you're ready, we can get started on that. I, I am ready. 
So, Canon or Sony? Sony. Chocolate or vanilla? Chocolate. Aperture or Ari? Ari. Premiere or Final Cut? Premiere. FS7 or C200? FS7, 100%. Yeah. So, that's all of them. That was pretty quick, uh, honestly. You should, do, you should do more of those. I'll <laughs> say this. I'm Sony right now, but that C500 is looking pretty tasty. Uh, I did know. see that one. It's Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely keeping my eyes on it. But at the moment, I, I am a Sony guy. But uh, I'm definitely, if, if Canon's listening to this, I'm definitely interested in going back. I used to have a, I had a C300. I mean, I shot a ton on C300, but uh, I just I had to leave them when they when they weren't really embracing the slow motion world. That's right. What I loved about so, Sony, like it's it's really nice just having that 180 frames at your fingertip. Uh, but the the new C500 is cool, man. Yeah, I was looking at that. It looks really the specs are pretty high on that for Canon. I mean, in the past couple yeah. of years, they've been moving pretty slowly, as you know. But we'll see what yeah, they man. do. Ultimately, too, the, the the trump card that Canon has is their is their skin tones. Like, yeah, uh, I, I'm a Sony user, and we have to work real hard to get skin tones where we want them. And if I'm working with the right colorist, or I or I lit it properly, and I'm color correcting on my own, then yeah, you can get it to where you want. But um, Canon's like right out of camera. They 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 look oh they look they look so great. But I find people actually, I find it I find people if I can like rip on the youtube world for a sec even though i'm part of it yeah i find people over color correct canon like canon's pretty good out of the box but then everyone pushes it to the point that they all look like oompa loompas like saturation slider oh my gosh the 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 teal and orange thing like and these are guys (laughs) if you like notice my channel i keep it pretty desaturated because it's kind of how life is and i don't know i i think it's like oh man i'm laughing at these guys and and then the, the sad thing is everyone thinks that's the standard and that i mean Hey, there's different styles and there's different eras in color correction, but and now I'm just seeing like people who are just starting their channels just like going crazy with the saturation and right. we're gonna look back at it and just <laughs> think like what the heck were we doing? Um, so anyways, that's that's I, I think we we've kind of the art of color correction right now is, is in a is in a bit of a dark place. Yeah. Especially I mean, not to name any names, but people making travel films that have it looks like they have just dropped a lot on their footage and left oh, yeah, it there. I think, I think they really have. I think, but I think what it is, is it's like most people don't know what looks good. <laughs> so when they right. say, they're like, oh, this must be, this must be what good looks like. But again, that's all personal taste. Like uh, I can say this all day, but if that's what someone likes, then that's what someone likes. Like, right. I just think uh, they're the, that you have to, color correct a certain way like for it to look cinematic is 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 kind of silly i mean you just go look at like all these different films like uh like mad max fury road like (laughs) totally totally bizarre like just all blue in some cases so it's like you know breaking the rules is is totally cool (laughs) for those of you listening we're going to take a quick intermission then we'll get back to the questions so You've directed many award-winning short films, most of which are documentaries. Just recently, you released your film Rescate, a documentary about a volunteer medical group in the Dominican Republic. How did you discover Rescate and what they were doing? Um, so, Rescate, uh, it's a bit of a tragic story how it came about, uh, that group of uh, volunteers. Uh, 
my best friend uh, was a humanitarian down in the Dominican in Haiti, and he was flying back in a small plane from delivering uh, aid supplies in Haiti, and he was flying back to Dominican. They're part of the same island. And uh, when he was coming back, a, a, a tropical storm kind of rushed in off the ocean. And uh, sadly, their plane, they never landed. Uh, it went down into the ocean. And so I got the call that, you know, Cole's plane had gone down and no one had seen him for a day. So I rushed down. I got on a plane that same day and, and rushed down to uh, down to Dominican. And uh, when I got there, uh, I went to the beach and was looking around and, you know, where they thought the crash site might have been nearby and there was just this group of guys all matching t-shirts out in the water and and there was no one else really helping it was just these guys and they were like in an old beat up jet ski and they were on the beach like like combing through everything trying to find wreckage any clues and asked them i was like who are these people they're like oh their names were scott to ambar they're volunteers they're like they actually all have normal jobs but they're they're here instead of working right now uh and they'll work they're volunteering all day at this crash site and then at night they all volunteer at this headquarters and they rush out across the the countryside helping people in car accidents. And why that's so significant is at the time when I met them, there was no 911 in Dominican. There was like, there was no, there was no formal 911 service. Mm-hmm. And two, um, the Dominican is ranked as the number two most dangerous country to drive in the entire world. And so it's like it's like a it's like a war zone out there at night on the on the roads. It's pretty crazy, and uh, so the work they were doing was was really remarkable. It was really like like crucial for the country, and that you know none of them were getting paid, and they had just old beat up equipment. Like their main ambulance is an old uh, catering van. So it was uh, it was pretty remarkable. So as soon as I met them and found that out, I was like, okay, I'm making a film about these guys. Like their story needs to be told. Like I quickly Googled and went onto YouTube and no one had any film video about them. So I was like, okay, I got to Like, this is, this is amazing. I got to do something for them. Right. Yeah. Um, so you're about to release your newest film, no country is an Island. What yeah. was the process behind that film and how would you describe it to the audience? So there was a uh, terrorist attacks in Sri Lanka in April this past year, 2019, and, uh, you know, three churches were attacked and a couple hotels were attacked and over 500 people injured, over 300 people killed. And this is all within like half an hour of each other. It was, um, uh, it's so a broadcaster here in Canada called the STV knows my documentary work. And they reached out to me and said, like, you know, we, we have some funding that we want to put towards a film in Sri Lanka about this, this tragedy, uh, could you direct it? And they, it was pretty last minute. Like usually you have some more time. They, 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 I think they sent me the first email at the beginning of June and I was gone. I was traveling and away all of June. And I just got back from being away all of May in Germany. And so it was kind of, I was like, uh, oh, I'm not sure it sounds cool. And so I knew there was no way for me to really do it on my own with the time restrictions. Uh, so I called up a good, a friend of mine and fellow filmmaker Michael Del Monte and was like, Hey, do you want to co-direct this with me? We should just, that way we both can go to country. When we go to Sri Lanka, we can both just like film and, and collaborate and just make it happen. Cause I guess two, two filmmakers is better than one sometimes, not always. Uh, but, and so, yeah, before we knew it a week into June. So like five weeks later, I was in Sri Lanka and we were filming the story. And so the story follows this group called Heal Lanka. Uh, that's H-E-A-L 
and they uh, they're a group of young individuals, different ethnicities, different religions, different backgrounds, which is pretty significant for a country like Sri Lanka, which has had a tremendous history of uh, of civil war and and ethnic uh, um, and ethnic fighting, uh, and so. The fact that these guys have all teamed up is pretty is pretty impressive in their country, and they're working to help all of the victims from these attacks. So, yeah, we're in the midst of editing that, uh, and uh, really excited to release that film because I think um, it will uh, it, it it talks and addresses a lot of subjects um, that I think are globally relevant. Like, um, like do you, do you help your neighbor if if they're of a different religion that just attacked you? So, in like. The, the film, you know, the well, the lead character is Muslim, but it was Muslim extremists who attacked these churches. But his best friend's a Christian, and so I think it's really cool because it uh, it goes into the midst of all this tension uh, and and works through that. And uh, I think that's an important conversation, an important thing, especially in 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 the uh, partisan climate that we have right now. It's stories like this are important, right? So most of your films have very heartfelt topics. That- that reach deep into the viewer's emotions. How do you portray a consistent theme throughout your entire film? How do you portray a consistent theme? Well, I think you got to determine the theme off the top. Um, right. And that, like, if you don't know your theme before you're filming, your film is going to just be very vanilla. It's going to be everything and nothing. You're gonna, so you really have to determine the theme right off the top, and then... And then every time you turn your camera on, you got to be asking, does this align with my theme? Like, does this does this relate to my characters? Does this relate to the story? Um, so I, I think that's where the consistency comes. You got to always, and you have to do it daily. You really have to remind yourself, like, what you're filming. It's so easy to get caught up being like, oh, there's this, there's that. Like, this is beautiful. This is cool. But, uh, and I, I think you have to sometimes go with balance because, like, you know, you can sometimes stop yourself from shooting something that could end up in the film if you don't feel it aligns with your theme. But you do, you do, I guess, in broader strokes, have to be determining what's going to help in the film. So, um, and, and be brave and, and just trust your your instincts on that. So, uh, yeah, I think that's how you keep a consistent theme is knowing the theme off the top, and and it will reflect in that. So, for Scotte, for me, I, my theme, my, my themes was was. Um, what is what is the effect of tragedy in someone's life, and what, how does it impact the greater community? And so, um, you know, you'll see moments of that where often when I'm at the accidents, I'm not actually filming the victims; I'm filming the people who are watching the accident, and I'm trying to show uh, how this affects the everyday person in Dominican, and not just uh, and not just the the victims. So, if you had to pick one of your films and one of your commercials that you favor, which would they be? Um, probably my favorite commercial I've ever gotten to do would be, uh, Beauty in the Battle, the, the Nikon piece I did about Deli Carr, who had a crazy stroke and was never supposed to be able to hold a camera again, and his recovery, uh, that, that was just a beautiful film, and it was just, yeah, I really enjoyed that one, and I was actually really proud we got nominated for Best Cinematography, uh, uh, and we were up against, like, Apple and, and beats like some of the just these insanely beautiful commercials (laughs) shot by dps who i really really look up to so to be in the same arena and category as 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 especially like a guy like spike jones he he directed the apple home commercial and so to be in the same category as him was like that was a highlight of my career definitely as a direct as a as a commercial director uh short films like 
I think, you know, probably Riscate would have to be up there for the time being because, it, you know, I dedicated that film to my friend who passed away. And uh, so it was it was really cool to get to work on a film that was kind of therapeutic in a way. Like I got to, I really got to process my friend's death through creating that film. And funny enough, it's like I was surrounded by death. And so I was really confronted with, with these ideas and themes and had to really, uh, really had to process that. And I, I think it was, it was actually a really healthy experience for me. That's an interesting side to the film that I don't think many people know about. And I'm glad that you talked about that. Yeah, thank you. So um, just recently you started a YouTube channel titled Mark Boone, where you instruct other filmmakers on different subjects of filmmaking. What inspired you to create this YouTube channel, and what do you see as its future? Um, I mean, a good friend of mine is Mattia Poya, and he has a very successful YouTube channel, and he's been bugging me to start a channel for years. So starting this channel... Uh, you know, he kind of inspired me in some ways. And the inspiration too was that I saw a gap in YouTube. I saw a lot of YouTube channels that tell you what LUTs to use and what, what what's the best like lens and all this stuff that's kind of hilarious to me because it, it, it is useful information, but it's not the most useful information in the sense that you're not going to build a film career off knowing if a if a Ronin S is better than a you know like a a, a crane too like right. yeah that's cool if you're investing money into gear but if you want to be a filmmaker like that stuff is totally totally secondary it's like shouldn't really even be on your mind when you're thinking about your film career and so I look at that and it made me really sad that there's so many young filmmakers out there or aspiring filmmakers who just don't have the tools or the knowledge on how to build a film career because they're caught up in this 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 mystical gear world and that and that's what they think is going to unlock the next steps and i find actually a lot of advice in youtube is kind of clickbaity it, it it tells you um you know it's really simplified and i guess that's the genre i'm probably guilty of it too on my channel where i have to talk about these the big complex things in in like seven to ten minutes but uh what i was just hoping to do is is if i can help young filmmakers take that next big step towards tangibly becoming a better filmmaker or better cinematographer uh, and and not just a, a more knowledgeable about gear then then i feel like i'm doing the 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 greater uh community uh, a, a service so yeah there's no what's really confusing with filmmaking is there's no rubric there's no real guideline on how to grow especially these days or or what steps to take next so that's what i'm trying to provide on my channel and i I guess the consistent feedback i keep getting from people is 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 thank you no one is talking about these subjects so they're not always the most sexy and yeah i won't grow my channel it probably will make my channel a million views or whatever but i'd rather talk about things i'm passionate about than 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 just things that uh help my bank account you know what i mean Mm -hmm. (laughs) So on that note, I think we're going to be ending this episode. Do you have anything you would like to say to young or aspiring artists that would like to create something but haven't done it yet? Yeah, definitely. I think I, I say this often to people, and, and, and it, that's the future's in your hands. It, that can be really frightening, but it's actually be, it should be a really comforting thought because what it means is that you don't have to wait for someone to give you that dream job. You can create it. Like You have the, the ability to start shooting the, the beginning of the things that you love like no one told me to shoot Riscate but I did and the doors that that opened 
completely changed the trajectory of my career. And so for, for anyone who's listening, who's starting off, it's don't wait for that dream job. It's begin shooting now. Like begin, if you want to be a short, if you want to be a feature film director, then start working towards a feature film, start getting a script going. And it doesn't have to be perfect. Like the first films I made were terrible, were absolutely terrible. I would never want anyone to see them, but they were so crucial for me to grow as a filmmaker, for me to learn more. So just start now. Like there's there's no one holding you back except yourself. And you can give all the, even if it means shooting on your iPhone, like it doesn't, even if it means boring a camera, like, like just like, even if it means taking your sister's iPhone and <laughs> like just get that get that process going because it will help you'll grow you'll grow you'll grow you'll grow and then before you know it you're going to be you're going to be in a much more confident place where you're going to have more opportunities so you create your own opportunities you create your own future it's in no one else's hands and so uh you know maybe just stop watching youtube tutorials and get out there and start shooting links to mark's youtube channel and newest short film will be in the description thank you so much mark for coming on the show no problem. Thank you, Alex. If you enjoyed the show, please remember to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. I hope to see you on the next episode. Alex Zirkus, signing out.